Hey guys, what's going on? Steve here. Just saying what's up. As always, before the episode, I pretty much say the same thing at the beginning of every show. How's everybody doing? How's uh, how's your drive time commute? I've already used that one. That's Queens of the Stone Age. Don't mind me. Uh, today was crazy. I went to Disneyland and I went on the new rise of the Skywalker ride. Uh, this isn't movie related, but I'm going to tell you about this anyways. Oh boy, was this fun. I got to the park at about 8.30 this morning. We got in. We uh, got our boarding pass at 9 o'clock. We were group 59. Uh, They allow 71 groups, and then it's pretty much overflow after that. Our group got in somewhere between 1 and 1.30. The ride broke down. We waited in line for an hour, close to an hour and a half, and then the line started again. Then we got on the ride, got about five minutes in, and then the ride broke down, and they kicked us off. Come about three and a half hours later, four hours later, the ride starts running again, and I went on it. Boy, it is an overwhelming ride. So much to see, so much to take in. It is so amazing. If you have the chance to go see Rise of the Resistance, um, take it. Go to Disneyland. You gotta get there super fucking early, though. Uh, I went to the movies with my father and my stepdad and my wife, and we went and saw a Doolittle, and I very much enjoyed it. Robbie Downer Jr. Uh, did a really fun job with his interpretation uh, of Dr. Doolittle. Uh, lots of good voices. Uh, Kumail Nanjiani was hilarious. Uh, John Cena was great. What's with Kumail making friends with all the wrestlers, man? Uh, Batista, Cena, who's next? Randy Orton, he's done a movie or two. Uh, I really enjoyed it. I thought it was really great. They showed that stupid trailer for the Harrison Ford film coming out with the CGI dog. I think I'd be more into that movie if it was an actual dog, if it wasn't a CGI dog. That's that's just me. Uh, Call of the Wild or some bullshit there's a dog food called call the wild i don't know if it's based off that whole thing but who fucking knows wow it's been a day i am i am way hardcore rambling i am getting ready uh to go uh to vegas to have fun say hi drew hi, drew is getting ready uh he's coming with me uh he's crashing out for the night uh and we are headed to vegas for art palooza uh, I think that's what it's called. No, ArturoCon. Why, I'm so tired. Uh, we're definitely gonna be recording some stuff from there. I got two great episodes recorded today while I was at Disneyland. Oh my goodness. Um, lots of good things coming out in the theaters. I want to go see Bad Boys. Uh, I know I complain about the whole, it being three and them using four, but I'm a Bad Boys fan. I went and saw Bad Boys 1 and 2 in the theaters. Uh, well, two in the theaters. I saw one. I didn't catch it in the theaters. Don't mind me. I'm fucking exhausted. Uh, but yeah, guys, lots of good things coming out. A lot of fun. Uh, I'm super excited for the weekend. Today on the show, uh, former cruiserweight champion, winner of the cruiserweight classic. I say that right at the beginning anyways. TJP. Uh, he has wrestled all over the world. I state everywhere that he wrestled. Uh, pretty much on the show. Uh, but if you know him, you're going to mostly know him uh, from the WWE. And he is amazing. He's a great wrestler. If you ever have a chance to see TJP wrestle live, take the opportunity. Uh, I mean, really, if you have the opportunity to go see live wrestling, support independent live wrestling. Support wrestling. It doesn't have to be independent. Um, guys, I'm going to... 
I don't I don't know where this is going. Um, but I'm definitely not re-recording it. I am having a good vibe on my first take. You guys don't know how many takes it normally takes for me to do like my four to five minute introduction, but Tiffany will tell you that she hears me. It takes me like 20, 30 minutes sometimes. I try and be a perfectionist. I try and have a lot of fun. If I stumble over my words at the beginning or if I don't know what I'm going to say, uh, if I flub around too much, uh, I'll just re-record the whole thing. I feel like I'm having a good flow. I'm having a good night. I'm having a good time. I am about to go to bed, but I hope everyone's having fun. I hope everybody is enjoying their time, and I'm just going to keep it keep it going as I do every week. That PMA, write that book, paint that painting, draw that picture, make that graphic novel, do what you got to do, continue the source of, of creative flow going through your juices, through your soul, through your being. I love you all. You're amazing. Once again, taking the time, listening to my show, TJP coming on up. We got some great episodes coming. I'm so excited about the names that I have. Uh, folks, it's, it's going to be a great year for you, a great year for me, but most importantly, a great year for us. Tip the veal. Try the staff. Enjoy the episode. Opening this week in the box office, we have the latest from Guy Ritchie, The Gentleman, The Turning, The Last Full Measure, and Panga. Those are the films that are opening this week in the box office. Now, let's see who's holding the top spot in the top five. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby to get ourselves a treat. Coming in at number five at the box office this week, Star Wars Episode Nine: The Rise of Skywalker with $8.3 million. Coming in at number four, we have Jumanji The Next World with 9.7. Opening this week with $21.8 million at number three, we have Doolittle. 1917 comes in at number two with $22 million. And coming in number one in the box office this weekend at $62.5 million, Bad Boys for Life, which is the third in the series. Bad Boys 3, not Bad Boys 4, Life. And that is your top five in the box office this week. I can't wait to see if Bad Boys can hold that number one position. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, and welcome to the last podcast you'd want. Steve here with another great episode. I have with me today a man that I can literally say has traveled and wrestled all over the world. He's been, as far as I know, uh, (laughs) he's been training since 13 years old. Is that correct, TJ? (laughs) That is correct, yeah. So trading since he was 13 years old, I bring to you the winner of the first Cruiserweight Classic, the WWE Cruiserweight Champion, uh, TJ Perkins. TJP, how are we doing? I'm doing quite all right. Thank you very much for having me. Excellent. Thank you for coming on. 
Uh, we love having a wide variety of guests, being being actors from Hollywood, professional wrestlers, just my friends and family. So it's it's great to have you on uh, for what I'm sure is going to be an awesome episode. Um, I'm excited just to, uh, to jump into it. <laughs> Excellent. And just in case people don't know who you are, because there are people that don't, wear, you know, watch the world of professional wrestling. Uh, as I stated, you've been training since you were 13, uh, but you've wrestled all over. You've wrestled for New Japan Pro, PWG, ROH, uh, Total Nonstop Action Wrestling, as, long, uh, as well as the WWE. You've literally been everywhere. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, swallowed my drink down the wrong pipe. Um, yeah, uh, it's, uh, it's been a long, well, fast 20 years, uh, you know, for me, I guess I, I blink and it goes by in an instant, but, uh, but yeah, I, uh, everywhere there has been to go, I've, I've been, and, uh, yeah, I've been really blessed in my journey, uh, on, on, uh, doing that, so. Absolutely. And I, I can say, uh, I've seen you live. Uh, I used to, uh, go, uh, to the EWF shows. Uh, so I've caught you at Empire Wrestling uh, Federation. Uh, I'm friends with uh, a couple of the wrestlers. I'm friends with Tommy Wilson, uh, Andy Brown, uh, you know, just some of the regulars. I mean, Tommy's not a regular anymore, but you know, some <laughs> of the regulars. So, uh, you, you know, I'm I'm happy to say I've seen you live, and I know what you can do in the ring and how amazing you truly are. Well, that's awesome. That's throwback right there, especially for Inland Empire-based shows. Uh, you know, me being a SoCal boy, so that takes me back. Of course. Um, and you uh, you just recently, within the last uh, year, were at a, the, the anniversary show, correct? Yeah. Yeah, I did. That's awesome. That's awesome. Always going back to, you know, where you started is always great. But with that, we're going to get right into the show. Uh, first question I always like to start with, have you ever walked out of a movie in the movie theater? Uh, let's see. Yes, actually. Uh, the only one and most recent would be the same answer, I guess. That comes to mind is uh, actually The Last Jedi. I didn't finish it. Really? All right. Yeah. So that would be episode eight? Uh, let's see. Yeah, about yeah, that. A couple, to, yeah. yeah, a couple of years okay. ago. How far, how, far, how far into it did you make it? Uh, what, what was the point well, that, that was the deciding factor for you to talk out? <laughs> Uh, well, I, about halfway through or so, um, and for those listening that have seen the movie, I guess a, a timestamp for you would maybe, this isn't where I walked out, but around the time where Finn reaches the casino and, uh, it becomes a 30 minute lecture on like, <laughs> like cruelty to alien animals and stuff like that, I fell asleep. Okay, and then uh, uh, I woke up later around the Finn and Phasma battle. And then uh, I ended up, like, it just, the movie lost. So I was playing on my phone and texting until about Kylo versus Luke. And then after that was done, I just, I was ready to go. I just wasn't, I, hadn't, I just wasn't even watching the movie anymore. Of course. I, I know those situations. I know what that feels like. Um, I sat through the whole thing uh, mostly because, um, I didn't, I didn't pay for it. Like my friend got me into the theater where I saw it. Uh, so <laughs> it was, you know, I was just having a fun time. 
but but the the Fint uh, Phasma fight probably would have been one of the walking out points for me um, because Phasma uh, is such a badass character, and they have her go out in such an insignificant way. Yeah, she was kind of like the sequel trilogy Boba Fett, huh? You know, like you you expect so much, and you 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 know there's such buildup, and you're like, wow, this is gonna be this is gonna be an awesome. It's gonna lead to some awesome moments before the trilogy's done, and then the character's done before the trilogy's done, and you're like, wait a minute, where are these awesome moments that we thought we were gonna get? You know, badass characters. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Uh, but that's that's a that's a good one. Episode uh, episode eight. It was not uh, well. I mean, I, it was not well received by most of the world. Uh, I think Ryan Johnson uh, did the wrong thing. The man that directed it, Ryan Johnson, basically just took it as his own film, and he didn't want to expand on any of the real storylines that were there that was given. Um, but of of it, I'm gonna say it's of the new trilogy. It, it's probably my least favorite. It probably goes episode seven, episode nine, episode eight. But that's just me. Yeah, have I you think seen a lot of the consensus is that. Uh, have you seen episode nine yet? Uh, no, I haven't. I, I'm, I'm sure I'll see it eventually. But uh, honestly, after eight, it, the the tr- the whole trilogy lost me. Like I was kind of jumping off board after seven. But then, you know, I'm a huge Star Wars guy. And so, and I don't like, I usually will just watch anything. So I was like, oh, I'm just, I'll, I'll keep watching and see where it's going. And eight, I've never had a series lose me so hard as that. And it's heartbreaking because it's Star Wars. Because I, I love the original. I love the, the prequels. I loved every content they've ever put out. But I was completely, un- and then I, I read what nine would be, and I usually never do that, but I did it in this case because I was like, I kind of want to know now what I'm getting into, and I just can't. I don't know. I can't. I'm not. I just can't do it. I'm not motivated to go see it. I'm sure I'll see it on like a plane or something eventually because, um, you know, I travel so much, and and I, you know, I'm, I'm always in need of on-the-go content. But uh, yeah, I don't know. I just the way that. The way that nine wraps it up, it just feels like it'd be like watching Karate Kid, and like Daniel puts up with like all this bullying and and like put upon by Cobra Kai, wins a tournament in the first movie, and then like loses the next two to Johnny and Cobra Kai, and then after they win the last one, they they dedicate it to Daniel, and we're supposed to be happy about it. Like I just come on, give give the guy the redemption he's supposed to have. Skywalker's a shit yeah. redemption. Absolutely. Um, weird, I, it's, weird I, a, I, it's weird that a Palpatine is the last person standing. <laughs> I don't know. It's just weird to me. I, I went and saw episode nine. Uh, I enjoyed it. I think the ties, I think the way they wrapped up the storylines were really good. Uh, I didn't love it. I, I, I just enjoyed it. Uh, but I enjoy most of the movies I go to. It takes a lot uh, for me to either walk out or just be like that film was utter trash. Yeah, I mean, same. I, I can't honestly think of, like, if I had to think of ten movies I've seen, five movies I've seen that I disliked it so much I didn't want to watch it anymore, I probably couldn't think of two or three. Um, 
it I, it takes a lot for me to not like something. But I don't know. I'm I I'm sure I'll see nine eventually. I know a lot of people like the way the movie's presented, even if like the story's weird. It's just for me, like the story is so odd to me with so many loose ends that aren't really tied up that I, I don't know. I feel like I wouldn't be able to not separate the two. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, but with that, going into our next question, uh, it basically goes into films in themselves. Do you have a, a favorite director, someone who's either with us or not with us, but you enjoy their collective work or you're always looking forward to their next project? Hmm. Good question. I mean, a lot of people, I'm sure a trendy choice is probably like Nolan, you know. Um, I, uh, you know, and Irishman aside, not that I didn't like it, I actually really liked Irishman. I just know a lot of people thought it was kind of like overly, yeah. <laughs> like over, over, yeah, well, overloved, I guess, because people are like, yeah, it's not that good. I mean, I thought it was really good, but I, I like Scorsese stuff, generally speaking. Um, Oh, I love but, uh, I love Scorsese. Man, um, I haven't seen The Irishman yet. Um, basically, because of the length, what I've been thinking about doing is I've been thinking about taking it in as a mini series because it's three and a half hours long. <laughs> it's, you just that's not it, a bad it, yeah, that's not a bad way to look at it. But I will say I, I did watch it in one sitting, and um, for me, it, it didn't. It felt like a two-hour movie in a three plus hour package like it didn't really feel like it was three hours at all i was a little bit hooked on the fact that it was the jimmy hoffa story though you know i didn't really know that prior like when it was first announced and i didn't really know what the movie was about once i found that out i was kind of kind of enthralled by it just because i've always been fascinated by that that whole narrative absolutely the first trailer they put out they don't tell you at all that it's going to be about jimmy hoffa uh, and I think right. they only really, I think they only put out one trailer for it, uh, and the trailer they put out for it mainly just focuses on De Niro, and they show you that Pesci's going to be in it. I want to watch it just for Pesci alone. The mere fact that Scorsese got Pesci out of retirement, uh, I'm a huge Pesci fan, especially when it comes to Scorsese. Good fellow. Yeah, I, I, I love. Yeah, I love Pesci. He and I, I loved him in this movie too. He, he, I, I thought it was one of. Uh, my favorite uh, performances is his. That's awesome. I really, I really want to. I really want to watch it. I mean, I think I can sit. I think I could sit down in one sitting for it. Uh, my wife has a little bit of an issue sitting more than an hour and a half in a film. Um, after that point in the theater, we usually sit in the back row, and she'll just start fiddling on her phone if she's not fully. <laughs> But but looking at it in the miniseries aspect, if you just go forty five minutes uh, of viewing, you get it done in five days. Like <laughs> yeah, you could you could turn it you could turn it into the new Dracula show, you know. Have you okay? So speaking of that, have you watched the new Dracula show? Because I've been meet, reading mixed reviews on it. So I, I've seen it and um, I love it. It's uh, it's presented really odd because there's there's only three episodes, but each episode is an hour and a half long. So it's like they give you three movies, basically. And they all feel self-contained, so to speak. Uh, they, they only have two central characters that 
are seen in each episode. Otherwise, the stories and, and all the characters in them are, like, completely unrelated. It's not even the same time. Like, like they take place hundreds of years apart. Um, and they don't really That's have awesome. impact. Yeah, like, they don't impact each other necessarily. Like, there, there's only maybe a loose reference to one of the other two episodes in the other one. And they don't really tie together that much. At least when you're watching the first two, it just feels like these two came out of nowhere. But that being said, I loved it. Um, I'm kind of a horror guy, though. So, like, I, and, and Dracula especially has always been, like, a, I've always been big on that. But um, but I liked it. It felt like, um, especially with the first episode, it, it really felt like I was watching, like, like the Bram Stoker Dracula movie. Like, it had the same type of feel to it and, and the same type of pacing. And you, you kind of, for me, anyway, I found myself really kind of hooked on, like, watching what was going to happen with, with Jonathan Harker. Well, that's awesome. That 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 hearing that makes me makes me want to watch it. Uh, just because I'm a, I I don't I don't trust reviews a lot, but when I see a lot of mixed reviews, like it always it always really makes me question it. But hearing that 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 you know they're they're like three separate films, and they're they're you know it definitely makes me want to check it out. Um, you being a horror fan, uh, though, what would you say is uh your top three horror films if you had to Name your your three favorites. Oh well, kind of going back to one of your previous questions, my favorite, one of my favorite directors, uh, generally, and, and it's, he's a horror guy, is Wes Craven. Um, so I've always liked his stuff. Uh, Nightmare has always been my my favorite. Um, if I'm making like a top three or like a Rushmore of of like horror movies, um, like Nightmare and Scream is usually on it. Um, and uh gosh, I'd probably go Halloween after those two. Um, and then I don't know, like it's weird, the older I get the less I appreciate Jason. <laughs> and the Friday the thirteenth movies, the narratives are great, but like um I don't know, I feel like they lose their steam way quicker than the nightmare series and then it's hard because then, you know, the movies are losing their narrative scene and the, the central characters kind of, they lose their impact. For me, like, like Jason sort of became unscary as they got older because the movies didn't, didn't hold on as hard after number two and three. Like, they kind of fell off quicker and Freddy just always remained pretty, you know, terrifying still to this day. Yeah. But, <laughs> uh, yeah, but yeah, those, those three, and, and, you know, I'd probably still go Jason after that and go the Friday series. Of course, uh, I'm right there with you uh, with Wes Craven uh, for Halloween. Uh, my friend and I, we did uh, like our top five, you know, scary films. Uh, and for mm -hmm. me, number one is Scream. Uh, I love Scream. I remember watching that film, uh, you know, in the theater. I loved it so much. Like I begged my parents to buy it for me uh, for Christmas. They got it for me for Christmas. Uh, I literally just wore the VHS out. I watched it so many times. Um, but <laughs> I mean, it's such a great like. I love the way that they kind of mix tropes with Scream, like because it's a slasher and it feels like a classic slasher movie. But it also mixes in the like the whole who done it trope, you know. And so you stay, you know, very like. I think you feel like you stay creatively hooked the whole time because of that. Like it's not it it. it it never loses its scene as a slasher, but like the whole whodunit element along with it makes it feel like 
you're watch it's like you're watching two movies at once. Yeah, absolutely. And 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 when I was younger, not so much nowadays, but when I was younger, upon the rewatching, I was always trying to figure out, okay, was this one Stu or was this one Billy? Who was here? Who was this? Who was killing who? Um, right. Yeah. And yeah. Then, <laughs> and then it just goes right into that with basically every other, uh, with the exception of Scream Three, because Scream Three, uh, it's just one killer, so it's one person killing them the entire time. But two and four. Um, I really liked uh, what they were doing with four because uh, after it came out, I read into it a lot. And what they kind of wanted to do is um, I for I always have a trouble pronouncing her name like Hayden Palantina lead, like the oh, one. Oh yeah, yeah, I I, uh, I do the same thing. You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, they they were when they were thinking about making Scream Five. They were going to bring her back because you never officially see her die. You just see her right, get stabbed right. and she falls. Like, there's a full thing on that. Uh, another fun one is that I want to say it was Scream 2 or Scream 3. The killer was supposed to be Billy, like um, Matthew Lillard's character. He survived somehow a TV falling on his head, and his whole gimmick is he was going to be controlling people from prison. But then Columbine happened, and when Columbine happened, they scrapped that idea completely. Oh, uh, I see. Man, that would have been pretty interesting. That would have been the the most um, kind of wild take out of out of <laughs> those types of theories. And that would have been pretty cool too. I loved uh, Billy and Stu, like from the originals, as as like the primary killers. Like those those were. I loved all the movies that I loved them especially just because they're the type of chemistry that those characters had with all the other characters, like every time they're on screen, it's good, especially with, um, with, uh, with Matthew Willard. Like he's just oh, so yeah. unintentionally hilarious. Yeah. And, and <clears throat> I, so young, I was definitely influenced with the humor and the things I said. Uh, like I can tell you without a shadow of a doubt for a year after seeing Scream, if my friend said something that was just ridiculous, I'd go, yeah, okay. Which is just, <laughs> that's, that's, yeah, that's very, that's very, yeah. Yeah. So, you know, that film 100% uh, influenced a lot of the things I did uh, <laughs> when I was younger. Um, but with you talking about Matthew Lillard being a great actor, uh, do you have a favorite actor, actress, someone whose works you're always looking forward to, or someone who you enjoy the collective works of? Um, let's see. I've always uh, probably. I mean, hands down, my all time is Johnny Depp. I just, I, I've, I like everything he does. I've always liked how he. Uh, I, I like the, the projects he chooses to do. I, I like the way that he performs them, and I, I love that he has such a diversity with what he wants to create. Like he. He almost runs from trendy choices, um, but doesn't necessarily feel like it's on purpose, you know? Like, he unapologetically makes stuff like Mordecai and, like, and this different stuff, but, you know, then you'll find him in, you know, like, more, like, nuanced, understated series roles, like Tourist or something like that, you know? And then, obviously, there's, like, the big, like, expressed ones, like, you know, Edward Scissorhands or Johnny Brosco, and it's, like, Sweeney Todd. Sweeney Todd's one of my favorite. Um uh, roles of his it might be my favorite role of his. Um, so he's always been really my my favorite dude to watch. 
Um, always been a big Brad Pitt fan too, especially some of these like later roles too, where he's kind of getting more grizzled, and I feel like he's just kind of being more himself in these roles. Um, sure. Like some of the dialogue and way they. What's up? Oh, I was going to ask if you've seen uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Yeah, I was actually going to just—I was just going to use that as an example, like the way that he is there, and uh, he kind of the way that he comes off. He he kind of feels similar to like uh, Aldo in, in in Bastards and and some of the roles that he's had more recently, like or even like Moneyball, um, where the just the way that he talks, you just kind of feel like that's kind of a very natural rhythm for him. He's just, I don't know. He's also kind of unintentionally hilarious, but I don't know. I've always liked the, I've always really liked his stuff. Yeah. Uh, both of those actors uh, are great. Um, one thing I'd, I'd recommend if you like Brad Pitt, um, after we're done talking, hop on YouTube and it's, it's like a 30 second clip, but look up the actor uh, Ross Marquard. He's on uh, The Walking Dead and okay. he does celebrity he does celebrity impersonation and he does a spot on Brad Pitt. And it's, okay. uh, it's basically, it, it's basically like it's Brad Pitt auditioning for Jaws and he's doing the speech from Inglorious Bastards. But he's like, you know, 135 men went into that water, you know, and I want to get those sharks. Um, and, but his, imper- his impersonation of Brad Pitt, I mean, all of his impersonations are spot on. But his his Brad remember his Brad Pitt making me laugh hilarious yeah just hysterically. Uh, that's awesome. But, I'll check oh, that out. Um, and Murray too. I've, and I've always been a, a big Murray guy. Um, obvious for obvious reasons. But I, I'm also kind of enthralled just by his career and like just his um, kind of like his untold biography, so to speak. Because you know he's so reclusive, so there's not a real one yet. But uh, just you know who he or, is and on top of, yeah. you know, how he performs and everything. Because he's another person, like, a lot of my favorite people are people that tend to be performers in, it's almost like you just turn the camera on and that's that's what you get from them. Um, as opposed yeah. to having to put something on. Like, even, even, like, back to my first answer, like, with Johnny Depp, like, as way out there and crazy as his roles are, you almost kind of feel like it, he kind of just falls right into those. Just because he just seems like such a quirky human being that would be hard to understand if you just met him in real life. Absolutely. Um, and uh, Bill Murray, uh, the one thing I love about Bill Murray, uh, he doesn't have an agent. He has a 1-800. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that, yeah, and, yeah. I love that everybody has the same story about working with him. They, they try really hard to cast them and they have this huge battle trying to get a hold of them. Oftentimes, they don't end up getting a hold of him. They get a hold of a friend of a friend or his brother or something like that. And then they, they yeah. get to shoot, shooting day, and they just don't even know if he's going to be there. And then, you know, he shows up. Um, yeah. I love, I love that. Uh, he has a story about when he did Ghostbusters, and he said this. And I've used this as, like, an example for – but uh, usually I use this as a teaching example for young wrestlers, like – when they're asking about like career choices and decisions and etiquette and certain things like that. And it's just a great story of the moral just really cuts to the chase for, for that sort of like avenue. Bill Murray was saying that on Ghostbusters, and this is like, you know, 
in 84 when they were making Ghostbusters, the, the guys obviously had been actors, but none of them were really big stars yet. Originally, those roles were supposed to be for, like, Eddie Murphy and John Belushi anyway. Um, some of them had done a few movies, but nothing, like, super big. And uh, Bill Murray, same, same type of thing. They didn't know if he was going to be there or do it or not. And then when him and the guys showed up on set basically late, just out of nowhere, not having read any lines or anything, just kind of doing what they want, and nobody said a thing to them, Bill Murray said that it was that moment that he said he knew him and all of his friends were going to be huge stars because nobody, like, they just let them do whatever they wanted. Um, and it's just such an amazing story that's just, it really tells, like, re- what real life is like. Because that's just how it is, you know. Like, life isn't fair. There's no rules that govern it. And that's how people make choices. And that's how people end up in the places that they are. Like, you can just kind of tell um, in that way. It's just, a, I always found that to be a beautiful story. That's awesome. I, I, I love it. And that and that very much just sounds like like a Bill Murray thing, just showing up when he wants. Yeah. Uh, and <laughs> doing uh, one of my favorite things is uh, Caddyshack because um, Ted Knight, uh, the, the judge, was supposed to have a much larger role in the film. But Chevy Chase, Rodney Dangerfield, and Bill Murray were so big with their characters that they just wrote those parts bigger and took uh, Judge Smelding and just made his parts smaller, um, right, which right. I think is hilarious, let alone the fact that, that one of the greatest scenes in the film uh, which is, uh, of course, Cinderella's story. A Cinderella story uh, coming out of nowhere uh, was all improvised. Uh, he he yeah. looked at the the director and said, "Give me, give me a, you know, give me a five iron and give me a row of daffodils and and <laughs> and, and we're we're left with one of the funniest cinematic scenes in the history of film." I mean, but I love, yeah, I love and, and you can stuff. really see like how his upbringing and acting like kind of just. He, that's the foundation he's governed everything he's done because you know, he came up as like an improv, um, an improv actor and like kind of a stand-up guy. And the, I, from what I've seen in interviews and like, and what he said and people about him, like that's kind of the way he just works. Generally speaking, he never does script read. Um, he never does anything like that. When when they're shooting scene by scene, he just gets his bullet points and then he just has them turn the camera on and you get what you get. Um, Absolutely. Which is something I can really kind of respect coming from pro wrestling because it's very similar. Like, you know, a lot of times we're just given a general direction and it's like, you have one shot to create it, do it. And that's like what we do. So I've always found that really endearing about him as well. Yeah. Uh, another another good one, and then we'll we'll move on to our next one. Uh, the only reason that Bill Murray ended up doing the Garfield films is because the director is named uh, Joel Cohen, and he naturally thought it was uh, I it, I believe that's what it was. He naturally thought it was like the Cohen brothers. Oh, okay. <laughs> that's funny. So he just so it, it, it's something it's something like that. Like the director of the film or the writer of the film shares the name of one of the people that he's just worked with before. So he was just like, oh, Cohen, sure, absolutely, I'll do it, no problem. Had no idea that it, was, it wasn't it was the guy, and then, then we got Garfield, and Garfield, a tale of two kitties. Yeah. <laughs> um, 
but yeah, uh, Johnny Depp is is amazing. Brad Pitt is incredible, uh, and Bill Murray is absolutely hilarious. Um, yeah, I could I could easily I could easily watch a ton of of Johnny Depp, and that's funny because Johnny Depp just goes right back to horror as well. Nightmare on Elm Street. Yeah, yeah, but <laughs> and and uh, a lot like uh, I mean, similar to Bill, like he had such a. Uh, kind of weird introduction introduction to, to acting. He almost, to this day, doesn't even define himself as an actor. He just kind of feels like he's had this accidental couple decades of his life go by like this. Cause, you know, originally he was just an aspiring musician going to L.A. He, he wasn't even supposed to be on Nightmare. Uh, in an odd twist of irony, he went to that uh, audition with... Um, God, what's the guy's name? Uh, Rorschach from Watchmen. Mm. Oh, I know uh, who you're talking about. Because Jackie, Jackie, Jackie Haley. Jackie, Jackie Earl. Yeah. So he went to that audition with him because Jackie wanted was auditioning for the original Nightmare. And, oh, that's hilarious. And they didn't want him. And and uh, Wes said that his daughter picked Johnny Depp out of a pack in the room because he was just a cute guy. And he was yeah. like, okay, we'll, we'll audition him. And he was like, uh, I don't, sure, I'll try it. Um, but, like, he, he wasn't really there to do it himself. He was just kind of there to support a friend. And because, like, Nicolas Cage uh, is somebody who he had met kind of by happenstance and had said, hey, you'd be really good at acting. You should start giving this type of thing a shot. And that's how he ended up in that role, which is crazy because then years later, you know, Jackie becomes Freddie and, and all that. It's so weird the way that yeah, yeah. ties together. Yeah, that's I, that, that, that's super funny. I never I never knew that Jackie, uh, that, that, that Jackie Earl Haley had auditioned for the original Nightmare. Uh, that's that's a little fun uh, little tidbit of cinematic information I did not know. So that's thank you for that. Um, <laughs> what's a movie that you could just watch every day? Like whether it's on TV, if you're flipping the channels, you you're like, oh well, I'm stopping here and I'm not changing it, or just something you might um, put on for background noise while you're cleaning and whatnot. Good question. Um, my two favorite franchises ever are um, Star Wars and Back to the Future. So usually pretty much anything with those. Back to the Future is my favorite movie ever of all time. Um, and uh, so those those are anything from those two, generally speaking. And then um, uh, uh, Deadpool 2. Um, That's Deadpool I, I could, or Deadpool? Uh, either one, but... Uh, I meant to say Deadpool as well, but <laughs> but uh, either either one of those, uh, one or two. Uh, Ryan Reynolds is another guy I could watch anything he's in. He he would have been the next guy on the list if I could. Um, and uh, and so yeah, Deadpool. Like and, and and with Deadpool, like I was always a big fan of the comic, like way before it became a movie. So when they casted that and were creating that project, I was like, that this is perfect because just having been such a fan of a comic book, I knew that that was exactly down his lane, the type of like comedy and sarcasm and timing that, that Ryan Reynolds has. So when they made it now, like to this day, like I could, I could, it's, it's like when you have a song that you really like and you end up playing it on repeat like four times on the way to the grocery store and it doesn't get old. Like I could watch that movie 
two or three times straight through before it starts to get old. Like I could watch it on loop almost. That's awesome. I love it. Uh, I love Deadpool. I love Deadpool too. Uh, the only thing I would have changed with Deadpool too, Josh Brolin did a great job. Um, but I 100% would have casted Kevin Nash because Kevin Nash, <laughs> tell, tell me he's just not like the, per, like identical. Yeah, to, very to much so. Very, very much so. Um, like, that was what yeah. I always told people. And, and they, no one, no one <laughs> That's was a good call. Like, right. <laughs> no one, no one like was like, what are you talking about? And then I pull up a photo of Kevin Nash, and then I pull up a photo. It's K. He plays Cable, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah and I pull up the that's, photo. And I that's, like, no, that's a good call. <laughs> yeah. I love Josh Brolin, but but I mean, if you're going for like Ryan Reynolds is Deadpool, like Kevin Nash is Cable, but you know, yeah, yeah. Um, but uh, yeah. I, yeah, that, that, yeah the the casting of it that that is very fitting, um, and I, I do love Brolin's uh, banter. He, he's another guy like I like. Um, I don't necessarily like everything he's in, but um, but like he's got such a uh, his his one on one dialogue at times is just so funny, like or just like interesting the way that he talks. You know, he's got like this gritty nature to him in his like later roles, so. Yeah, like uh, another another good one that I always like. Um, it's a bad film, uh, but Men in Black Three. Uh, Josh Brolin as a young Tommy Lee Jones. Oh, I I, I loved him as as a as a, a young Tommy. That was so good. I I loved him in that movie. Yeah, it's it's like it's a spot on, and it's it's one of those ones that you just look back at it and you're like, oh, that's Bran from the Goonies. Like yeah, even, dude, you know, it took me years to to realize that that was Brad from the Gucci. Yeah, and and it's it's throughout throughout you know because I, I I think we're about the same age, so throughout our childhood uh, and adulthood, like Josh Brolin has just always been there. Um, speaking of being uh, childhood, though, what's a movie that takes you back to your childhood? A movie that takes you back to a more youthful time. Um. Gosh, I mean, except for Deadpool, all the ones that we just mentioned, uh, for obvious reasons. Um, all right, so so Back to the Future. Are you more of a Back to the Future or a Back to the Future Two guy? Well, it's it's an oddly layered question because you kind of get both of them in Number Two because the narrative is still continuing and and technically one hasn't finished and two has this. And, and there's this, you know, a whole second uh, narrative playing out. But um, uh, I, I think I always, I mean, depending on why, what the question is, um, will kind of depend on the answer. Like, what I enjoy more, probably two. You know, because I'm, I, I see one play out, and then two has just so many. Like, it does such a, not a gamble, but like, it, it was so daring for them to try to create that movie the way they did. Like, I, I don't know any other movie that really is created like that where they kind of have to dive into the first one seamlessly and flesh out this whole entire narrative like that layers right on top of it so perfectly. Um, but uh, I love the 
just the moral of the story with number one, which is really just the story of all three of them. Uh, just the reason why it was always my favorite is just because it's like um, in an interview, Zemeckis and, and, you know, the crew and all the guys that, that created Back to the Future, they, they basically just kind of dumbed it down to the concept was like, if you can go back in time and hang out with your parents, and secondary question, if you go back in time and just change anything, you know, to, like, create a better future, like, knowing what you know now, if you could go back and do it then, like, would you do it? And that's such a heavy question, because you always think, like, well, of course, like, that would be amazing, and blah, 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 and we don't have the capability to do that, so that's what makes it even more enticing. But just as somebody who has had such a long road and up and down, like with my career, my life, like I was homeless at one point and all the different things I've done in my life. Like if I could go back, like, I don't know that I would change anything because even the most disastrous of things like led to exactly where I am right now. And it's like, I wouldn't want any of that to change. And so I think it's such a beautiful story because it's like, if you are presented that question, the answer is always, yes, I would love to do it. But then once you kind of get taken through that story that, that he goes through and you realize everything that comes with it, it's like, God, no, I would never dare change anything because look what can happen. Of course. Uh, I love uh, Back to the Future and Back to the Future, too. And I, I, I've truly never heard someone put it quite that way. Like, it's, it's really like things happen for a reason. And there's no, there's no point in going back and trying to change it. Um, but the real, the real question is, would we go back in time and kill baby Adolf Hitler? I mean, <laughs> Deadpool 2 answers that one for us. Uh, but no, I, 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 I dig it. Um, and the question I, I always like asking, and this just goes right into it because it's Back to the Future related. Um, Goldie Wilson. When Marty is in his time, Goldie Wilson is mayor. When he goes back in time, Goldie Wilson is just a sweep shop, is just sweeping up the, the store. Do yeah. you think that Goldie Wilson becomes mayor of his own destiny? Or do you think that Goldie Wilson becomes mayor because Marty goes back in time and puts the idea in his head? So, great question. And, and that's, that's one of those things that I feel like uh, – well, one, there's really no answer to that because it depends on your perspective, and you you kind of that's one of those things you get you get out of it what you put into it. But um, that's that's another reason like that that kind of expands upon like what I was you know previously just talking about because that's like the whole butterfly effect thing, um, and even like what you had just said like the real question is would you go back in time and do this or kill this guy or this or that, and it's like even the most obvious yeses. Like, you don't know where that leads. Like, could lead to to a horrible like future. You just you never know. Like, as simple as simple as delaying somebody from crossing the street for a second because you chose to you know point something out or give them a dollar or whatever the case is. Like, that could drastically change the course of human history because they were supposed to be somewhere else a split second later or earlier or something like that and that changes you know everything you just never know um i like to think that he uh that he caused goldie to become mayor because he otherwise like inception like he otherwise would have never aspired to be that 
just off the cuff of like, what would I like to be? Like he might've been like police chief or some other thing that was pretty, you know, good to do, but um, you know, just the idea of shooting for the moon and he haphazardly put that into his head and he accomplished it. I think that would be a beautiful reality for that to have been the case. That's awesome. And with what I, I of course the, the movie popped right in my head with what you were talking about, um, the butterfly effect. Uh, it's 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 it, 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 it's a concept I love to think about. But the movie itself with Ashton Kutcher and uh, Ethan Ethan Supley, and I want to say it's Amy Smart. Um, have you seen it? Came out. Butterfly effect. The, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and that movie just explores the whole concept of it in itself because he does everything he can to prevent, you know, this girl from dying. The, the girl he loves, and the only thing that ends up stopping it is basically him going all the way back to childhood when they first meet, and he just goes up to her and he's like, "Get the fuck out of here! Don't talk." To yeah, me. like Don't he, he ends, yeah, he ends up being the common denominator that needs to be changed. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, I, and I think that that's that's because um, that's like a theory, you know, on the way that you know our lives play out depend and this is like kind of a faith thing you know because you know it, it almost delves that deeply like what like what your religion is and what you believe in and stuff like that 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 the theory is that you know our narratives are more or less written and the the, the minor details can't derail you it, it really would have to be a huge bullet point to be changed and so i love that about that movie is that like you know all the things he's trying to change are like that, that has nothing to do with, with, um, you know, the, the, the arc of what he's trying to alter. And then it, it ends up being that, you know, in such a Hitchcock sort of way, like, obviously it's like an ironic kind of tragedy. Like he, like he has to be the one. So, you know. Yeah. No, that's a good one. And I, I've never seen any of the sequels, but I want to say they made, they made at least one sequel to it. Um, yeah, I, I remember they, they they did have more stuff that was put out, but I've only ever seen the original. Yeah, I well, it was the only one that released that was released to the theaters. Any of the sequels were actually just a direct-to-video. Um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but talking of horror films, that, as we have been throughout the episode, um, do you happen to remember the first movie that gave you nightmares? Um. Yeah. Uh, Poltergeist 2. <laughs> that one, that one messed me up. To this day, it still messes me up. Um, the Kane character. Okay. Yeah, the oh, Kane, that's the Kane character. The the the, the one old, that becomes yeah. the yeah. He he's the one that they they don't bring him in until number two in the in the trilogy, but they bring him in at number in in the second one as like the central like antagonist like character for all the all the havoc that's going on. Because um, like the first one, yeah, the first one never scared me uh, at all. Because there's no, there's no face to the evil. It's just, it's just a lot of you. You don't really know. You know what I'm saying? Like you, you, you. It's explained, but not very well. Or not, not sure. that it's not explained very well. But like it's not explained in a way that like, okay, like I could be the target. You know, like it, it's very vague and kind of general. But once it becomes about that character and the way that character is portrayed is it just scared the crap out of me. Number three made it worse because like 
Then I was scared of mirrors for like 20 years. Of course, of course. But are you saying that clown never scared you in the slightest in the first movie? No, no, no. Clowns, I never had a thing <laughs> for clowns at all, yeah. <laughs> clowns uh, clowns well, are all I, good in my book. I never had a thing for clowns. I've never had an issue with clowns. But I just, that, I mean, I don't know if I ever got nightmares from Poltergeist, but that clown definitely creeped me the fuck out. And But yeah, Mirrors, uh, Poltergeist 3, oh, no thank you. Yeah, um, and to to this day, if I'm in a dark room with no lights on and in front of a mirror, I I I'll walk out way quicker than if I'm in any other room. Whenever I'm when I'm done with what I'm doing, like it, it's permanently burned into my brain to avoid mirrors. It's just, that movie screwed me up so bad. I it, yeah 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 um and and I mean all of those I I think. I think everyone in this world has been frightened by at least one of those three films. <laughs> yeah. And I, the first one, it really like, so the first one didn't get me, but it did, I think kind of lead to um, the way that a lot of the more newer uh, horror movies are created with the same type of like atmospheric theme in a the movie. Like for example, like the conjuring movies or like insidious where, there's kind of like an ensemble of scary stuff happening um, outside of whatever the main evil is. And like that, that, that reminds me of like what Poltergeist was originally like was and what it was kind of meant to be was that like that the whole atmosphere of it is what's scary, um, which like in the, like now, like the more modern stuff, like Conjuring is one of my favorite ever. Uh, Conjuring and Insidious, I love it. And the, the way that those play out, um, those ones get me pretty good. Like, I, I like those. Because um, a lot of the things that are in those, like, it's all the little things, like, end up being good hooks for me. Especially, like, in, God, what was it, the original Insidious movie with the, the, the best part for me is, is the, the little kid that scares the woman when she's home alone during the day and she's just doing, like, laundry and chores and he's running around the house and turning the record player on and off. And then hides in, yeah. in the in the dresser, and then jumps out and runs away. Like that really got me because it's the middle of the day, the sun's out, the doors are open, neighbors are doing their thing, literally twenty feet away at their houses next door, and even then she's like not safe. Like because that's usually how it feels. Like you you know when you think of horror movies, the way to rationalize it is, well, it's daytime and there's other people around, so nothing's gonna happen. To me. But in that case, it was like all those elements were present, and she was still getting it from the ghost. And I'm like, man, that's <laughs> that, was, that really messed me up too. Yeah, I I remember for me, uh, it was the scene when the uh, the medium is sitting there, uh, and then it it it's either behind her or it's behind uh, the dude, but it's the demon that has almost the Darth Maul face. Oh yeah, and then halfway like peeks out from behind. Yeah, like that yeah. thing really freaked me out. Uh, I really like the Conjuring films. I like uh, the spinoffs that they've done. Uh, I saw Annabelle uh, Comes Home in the theaters, uh, and I thoroughly enjoyed that. I thought that was really good. And that apparently sets up for Conjuring 3, uh, because I think they either just put out the trailer or they've just put out kind of what uh, Conjuring 3 is about. Uh, and it slightly evolves around what happens when Annabelle comes home. 
Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, I, um, yeah, I loved, I loved uh, all the different uh, extensions of that universe, I guess, so to speak. Uh, I love the Annabelle series. I love that the whole thing kind of is an arc to get to the nun. Um, sure. Because, they, you know, they plant the seed in Conjuring, and they basically take two, three movies. I think they even have references in the Annabelle movies, too. Um, eventually leading to where they, you know, they cre- eventually created the nun, um, which I yeah. hope they actually do, do at least like one more because it was cool to see the origin of it, like back in, you know, hundreds of years ago or whatever. But I would love to see like, like one more remaining, even though that's kind of like what happens in the the London-based Conjuring, the, the second one. But, um, but uh, yeah, I love, I love everything the way that they've, tied those in. The the scene in the home office with the nun rushing her from out of the painting was one of my favorite scenes too. Like after after and that is obviously a different same same uh director, right? Because it was James Wan from from both Insidious and Conjuring, right? Same studio. I believe so. Yeah. So different different movie but like sec uh after the, the kid terrorizing the mom and insidious the, the net my next favorite scene from from either of those two franchises was the the nun rushing out of the painting just because it was so sure. like the the pacing sure. behind the thing was like it, it built so agonizingly slow and you just kind of you know what's going to happen but you can't avoid it of course uh have you been able to catch the curse of la lorona uh yeah i actually was watching it just recently uh, and and how did you feel? Because that that in itself is part of the Conjuring universe. Yeah, no, I I, I love it, and I like um, um, I've always had uh, kind of a fascination with possession type movies. So, um, what was uh, can't remember the. I mean, there's there's several that that I've always really dug, and I, I really liked the 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 I guess prequels. So to speak of the um, the Exorcist movies, you know that they did late in later years with um, with the priest and going going out to Africa and like kind of like the origins of of that story. Um, yeah, the Exorcist, the beginning. Um, but yeah, no, I I, I loved it, um, and uh, you know, and, and then the uh, the uh, the linguistic barrier, I guess, so to speak, too, made it made it pretty interesting as well. Yeah, I remember uh, the 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 one you're talking about, the Exorcist, the beginning. Uh, they for a promotional item at Comic Con because I used to go to Comic Con all the time. They gave out a little. It was either purple or black velvet bag, and inside was a little circular glass vial of holy water. And it said holy water on it. And then on the other side, it said exorcist, the beginning. And it had the date that it was supposed to come out. But that movie ended up getting pushed back by almost two years before it got released. If um, if I remember correctly, they had to make a second movie. And the first one got released after a long battle of, like, changing the right and then having it released almost as a separate movie. Yeah. Um, I, I I want to say something like that happened. That yeah. because it was being pushed back so much. 
but I yeah, remember, they, I remember like, <laughs> there were series that the movie itself, the the project was cursed. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, 100%. Because I believe in, in the original Exorcist, somebody died on set too. Oh, I don't, uh, on the I, I, on the on the stairs because uh, you know they had that the, that famous uh, set of stairs in the Exorcist movie. Like I believe somebody died on the stairs. Wow! And so they were trying to tie that into how disastrous producing the, the later prequels or prequel happened, and then they were like, it's like the kind of like the whole poltergeist thing with that that franchise being like cursed with everybody dying except for what's his head um craig t nelson yeah <laughs> it's like one of those things where they're saying that like it's just it's like it's like a real curse on on the project yeah because with poltergeist it's the sister died after the first movie was made the old man that played the Indian died after the second movie was made, and the little girl that played Caroline died after the third movie was made. Yeah, I think she died. I think they had to use a double to finish some pickup shots for three, if I remember correctly, because like some of those shots at the end, um, she's they they place her facing away from the camera because it's not really her. Um, oh wow! I think she they died before the like. Yeah, like before they released the movie, I think, she, and they needed a, like some more shots, and she was she passed or something. Yeah, man, it's it's yeah, lots lots of like lots if you're of, if you're Craig T. Nelson, you're sweating bullets for like a few years, right? <laughs> like, oh my god, well, what's gonna happen? And then once he got to turn her, she was like, I, I think I'm good. I, I think I'm fine. I, I don't. Know. <laughs> Yeah, for a few years he's probably thinking it's like Final Destination. Like, <laughs> when's my number? You know. Absolutely. Um, as we're wrapping up here, just a couple more quick questions. Uh, mm-hmm. Do you happen Do you happen to remember a childhood crush? Your first celebrity crush? Oh man, uh, I was pretty big on. Um, it sucks because now I actually can't. I can't remember her name. Uh, the the girl from My Girl. I was pretty big on her when I was growing up initially. Anna Chomsky. Yes. Um. Uh, her and uh, who else? I feel like she was always like the number one for a while, and then um, I just thought of it too, but. To a lesser extent, um, oh God, she was uh, she's not even in acting anymore. She only did a couple like kind of like teen movies when I was growing up. But I'm trying to think of Laura Birch. No, 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 no. She uh, there was a movie when when we would have been younger, and it was one of uh, James Franco's early movies, and he he's opposite Shane West. And she's the girl in between them um, mm. in the movie. Uh, I'm trying to think of her name. Um, Marla Sokolov. Was it Marla again? Sokolov. Marla Sokolov. Uh-huh. I can't remember the name of the movie, but yeah, she only she only, only did a few different projects, and then she kind of I think she got out of acting. She finished college or something like that. Interesting. Let's see here real fast, because the great advancement of technology. Uh, is I can look whatever it takes. Oh, she was in 
Um, oh, she was in Dude, Where's My Car? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, yeah. I think the, that and this movie were, like, really, like, her two kind of bigger ones at the time. And then she just kind of went back to college or something like that. But, yeah, she was she was another one that I, I, was, I was into when I was – I was, like, an older kid. But, um, but yeah, when I was little, my girl all the way. Yeah. Well, I can tell you right now, TJ, uh, if you catch Fuller House on Netflix, Marla Sokinoff is in 10 episodes. So she's probably in one season. Well, I'll have to check that out. Because <laughs> uh, once again, IMDb is an amazing page. Uh, it's where <laughs> I, I find out most of, most of on my, uh, on the fly, uh, having to look up things. Uh, but those are, those are great. Anna Chomsky uh, I my girl, my girl too, and I want to say she was on the she's on some political show. Now I forget. Uh, but yeah, and Marla Saganoff, uh, talking her and dude, where's my car? It's her, and I want to say the other girlfriend is Jennifer Gardner. Yeah, I believe so. Yeah, yeah, that's great. Uh, what was the uh, what was the last movie you you saw in the theater? The I'm sorry, what? Uh, last movie uh, you caught in the theater, if you if you happen to catch me. Uh, gosh, what was it? I actually want to say it was it was probably maybe the last Annabelle movie okay. that was released. Um, that might have I think that might have been it. Um, Annabelle, Annabelle comes, comes home. Yeah, I think that was the last one I saw in theaters. Oh shit! I um. I, oh I, no no I'm sorry I, I went I I've seen maybe a couple more after that I saw like the new Child's Play movie I don't chronologically I don't know which one came out first but like there's been a few but that was one of the last ones and also the new Child's Play movie and well, couple, the, like well, one or two others. Uh, what did you What did you think of the new Child's Play film? Uh, it's like they remade Terminator. I wasn't scared at all because like the, the the supernatural element is gone so. It's just about iCloud taking over, you know. <laughs> uh, which I, I thought is, oh, is still it, it's still challenge. it's still an interesting movie. Like I I don't think that it's it's bad. I just thought that uh, going into it when you're so scared of the first one, which is about like you know possession and like there's a supernatural element to it and there's a murderous killer with a like an active conscience that's like trying to kill this person. Like that's terrifying to me. But when it's like just a machine, it's like okay, well that's it's just Skynet. It's Terminator. I'm not scared. I love Terminator, but I'm not scared of Terminator because it's like it's a machine, so not really doesn't have a personal grudge against me. Sure, but when you're dealing with a serial killer that wants to steal the body of a boy to put his soul into it, like you have something at stake. Yeah, it's totally different. Like when 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 uh, when Mini Terminator Chucky is hiding in the closet. I, I'm not that scared. It's a calculated machine trying to, like, you know, kill a target. I get that. It's just not scary to me. But, like, when it's, yeah, like a murderous, like, evil killer trapped in the body of a doll hiding in a closet, that's terrifying because I don't know the choices that insane person's going to make. So that's scary. Yeah. Uh, did you, when, when the original Child's Play came out, did you happen to own a, a My Buddy at the time? No, no, no. But a lot of my friends were really big on Child's Play. That was like their, 
their big go-to. A lot of my wrestling friends, um, like Kalisto in WWE, his favorite is Child's Play. That's 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 interesting. Um, uh, man, that movie that movie scared. I had a my buddy, so like the doll oh, really? scared the yeah the doll just scared the shit out of me after I saw Child's Play. Um, and and I was younger, so like watching watching those films now, like two and three are cheesy as shit. I love them, but they're just cheesy. Uh, but they scared me so much when I was younger. Yeah, like. Man, without without the success of Child's Play, I feel like then we don't have like Annabelle and stuff like that later to really set the modern like cinema precursor for scary dolls and and like you know objectifying like yes that that sort of thing and possession of of, of that. But uh, but yeah, the, the originals they were they were a scary concept. The way that the new one was, which again, like I thought that the movie's fine. Like I just once. Like, it's one of those things, like, 15, 20 minutes in, the realization hits you that it's like, wait, I'm scared of a computer. I'm not scared of a, a demon. Like, yeah, scared of a computer. <laughs> so it stops being scary because it's like they're being attacked by a speaking style, basically. This is very true. This is, and, and, yeah, I it's, it's a film that I watched. It uh, didn't scare me. It was supposed to be a scary film, but it didn't scare me. Um, what were your thoughts on uh, just finishing up with Child's Play on Mark Hamill's adaptation of of Chucky uh, when the original Brad Dorif who voiced Chucky still alive? Um, I, mean, I love Hamill's voice acting. I love him as Joker, you know, um, and uh, I love I love him in the bit parts that he'll play, like in different stuff, like when he was in James Island Bob, and you know, just different things like that. But uh. Um, so I, I liked it. I just um, the this the overall narrative of the story that being changed is just made it so that like if he was playing the voice of like a demonist murderous like person possessed into a doll, then I I, I think it would have changed to how much I love the movie because I, I love the way he voiced Chucky. I love the movie like the new one. I I I think it's great. I just the narrative the like it puts a it puts a mental block on, on me being able to be scared of it because it just doesn't make sense to be scared of it for me. It's kind of like when you first get like a remote control for like a TV or something and then the batteries are in the remote, but there's like a little slip of plastic that blocks the power from going from the batteries to the button. You have to pull that plastic out. Like that's what it did. It like put a mental sheet of plastic on my brain that I couldn't be fearful of this thing. It's good. I like that. Um, but no, it's, it's, it'll be interesting. I don't think the film did well enough in the theater for them to make a sequel, even though they definitely do set up for the sequel. Uh, if they do, it probably will just be a direct-to-video. Man, if that gets a sequel and Solo doesn't, I'm going to be so hot. <laughs> okay, so you bring you bring up Solo. Um, it's not it's not my least favorite of the series. I did catch it in the in the theater. Uh, I loved. Uh, I just blanked on his actual name, Donald Glover as Lando Calrissian. Uh, I thought it was, Don, it was Glover killed it, man. Um, and I like I like Alden as Tong. It's divisive because we all love Harrison Ford, and he's like so universally loved. And, uh, and Han is like my favorite character in, in the entire series. Han and Anakin, I feel like I relate to so well. So like I loved, you know, Han, um, Harrison is 
as Han. I loved uh, Hayden as, as Anakin and, and the way that, you know, he played, you know, an awkward teen growing up and the whole arc of why he becomes this, like, like mass murderer later because that stuff just boils over <laughs> when you get older, I guess. But, uh, but yeah, and I thought Alden did a great job in what was going to be a losing battle because people love Harrison Ford so much. It's like, you're not going to like this guy. But it, I thought he did a really serviceable job of, like, catching his little nuances and reactions to stuff. And, like, I really could see Han being that guy when he's younger. Um, but I love Solo. And I, I, it, it obviously is supposed to it, – it, it lines up for them to do a follow-up, if not two. But, you know, just because people people weren't digging it enough at the box office, um, you know, they'll, they'll probably kill the project. But, man, I, I just – I wish they'd just get one more out of it because that – like, I want to see that, that love story play out and fall apart, obviously, because he ends up with, with Leia. But I want to see that play out. I want to see, like, obviously, his, he's supposed to have a showdown with Maul, you know, is what they're gearing up, you know, for. And, and like, Maul being the crime lord – like reconstructed version of himself is is pretty cool. Like I just wish they'd just give us one more and then and then kill it. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I one hundred percent the theater popped uh when when Darth Maul light popped up on that screen. Uh I like there weren't a lot of people in the theater when I saw it, but I definitely was the only one that that was excited for it. Um <laughs> with Star with with Star Wars of the entire series of everything, you being a fan, what's your favorite? What's your favorite of all of them? Uh, let's see. If, if I had to if I had to pick a top three, my favorite is Empire. I feel Empire is like a lot of people's favorite. Um, uh, I liked Empire because um, you know, with the story really being a fable about Anakin, like Empire really gets everything refocused on Anakin so to speak. Because if, you, if you're only going off the original trilogy, the first one is obviously very Luke-heavy, episode four. Um, so five kind of brings you back to center where it's like, okay, no, this is really about this guy and this is his kid and it's like a, it's, it's a generational thing with their family. Um, and then if you're watching one through six as like the, the whole Anakin story arc, then it's the same thing. Like it really kind of focuses you back into, okay, this is the this is the guy that he's become now, and he's about to kill his son. Like, that's – I, I love everything about that. And then Han and Leia, like, their story really starts to unfold rapidly in that movie, and I love that. I love, like, again, his character just being basically a pirate. Like, he's just – he's like James Dean, you know. He's, he's on the run, and this is just a chapter of his life, and you feel like it's kind of like taking him over a little bit, and he's falling in love with this girl and trying to, like – get these people who he didn't think he would be friends with to safety, but now he's stuck in it and you kind of see what he's made of and he's like got a heart of gold underneath, you know, the, the cowboy that he is, so to speak. And then, uh, yeah, I love that. And I loved, and I loved clones. Clones was my second favorite one. Okay. That's, that's awesome. And I, I agree with you so much on, on Han. Uh, and it's, it's, of course, the new hope always has that moment uh, where you think that he's just taken the money and gone yeah, and he comes back. Yeah, comes back and saves saves the day. But yeah, that's and awesome. Like, uh, yeah, Empire clones, and then and then maybe Sith might be my my next one after that. Um, I, I've always been really awesome. Anakin heavy, like just his story arc and seeing what he was when he was a human being, like when he was younger, and and 
cute, like like more human. Like it just I, and that always fascinated me because I I loved that he wasn't a badass as a kid. Like I loved that he was like an awkward teen, didn't know how to talk to the girly love, didn't know how to deal with the people around him, and the little nuances about the way Hayden played him, like where he's you know around other people because they gas him up so much about being this prodigy, he acts like so cocksure and, and everything. But his dialogue completely changes with Padme as in real life it would. Like um, like you said, you're married, like when you're falling in love with somebody and you're around that one person, you don't even speak like a normal human being because you're awkward. You take odd things to say and you don't even say it with the normal inflection because you don't know how to be around them. Um, yeah. I love that about the Anakin character is that like, it's like his dialogue falls apart around her. And it's, it's, it's great because he's just, he, you could just feel his awkwardness and how like later when all that's taken from him, of course he becomes Darth Vader because, He's alone for the first time in his life. He thought that he had all this stuff and he ruined it. Yeah, and that's and that and that that leads to one of my favorite moments in Star Wars because uh, my favorite of the Star Wars series is Rogue One. Uh, and oh, and I love one. Rogue One. I I wish we Rogue One was the trilogy. I wish we got instead of seven through nine. Like they could have made three out of that one, and it would have been perfect because like. They didn't need to stretch want, the Skywalker story out, but you know they could have got everything they wanted out of Rogue One. The female lead, the ensemble cast, um, brand new characters that they can create brand new stories with, and then just fit it into the frame of the story that's already been told. Just wrap it up at New Hope because the destination's already written for you. It's perfect. And they could have had Vader throughout so they could rely on old characters to keep the you know fans of the franchise hooked on it. It would have been so good if they did a trilogy on Rogue One. It would have because uh, you have what, like you said, so many characters that that people genuinely love, and and that is one of the things that I love about Rogue One is it's. I always say it's like watching Titanic. You know how the movie is going to end. You yes. know what's going to happen. Yes, if but you're hooked on their stories from, yeah, from point A to B. You're hooked on their destinations inevitable, but you just, you love their journey. Yeah, and I'm I'm looking so forward. Uh, I want to say Disney just recently announced that they're going to do a Disney Plus show of, uh, and I wish I could remember the character. It's the main smuggler and his robot. Oh, uh, Cassian. Cassian Andor, uh, and- yeah. Yeah, and and uh, I forget the robot, but Alan Tudyk uh, does the voice of the robot. Uh, yeah, I hear yeah. That they're getting, I hear they're getting a spinoff show, and if they yeah, are, that's, that's awesome. That I'm you. also, yeah, I'm looking forward to that and and Kenobi as well. And uh, I heard they're they're trying to see if Hayden will agree to do, I think a Vader one, which like a lot of people like a Prime Vader like between three and four, like a series based on that, which is basically what Rogue One trilogy would have been, you know, um, if they would have done it. Uh, um, and but, then... But uh, the badass, badass then, you see of Vader. Say that at again? At the end of Rogue One. Uh, the badassery we see of Vader at the end of Rogue One. Is oh, I know. Somebody was saying, like, it, like pick a scene. They had, like, a, a short list of, like, pick a scene that defines movie moments for you the last... Uh, 10 years or like the decade, you know, obviously because it's 2020 just recently with New Year's. And all the scenes were, you know, just 
there were iconic scenes for the last decade, like Joker on the stairs dancing and stuff like that. And I remember like kind of like adding into the tweet, like a write-in, like, no, it's got to be Vader on the, <laughs> it's got to be Vader on the Tonkins. Like that's, that's the one. And so many people were like, yeah, it's Vader. Cause that's crazy. That's the Vader you always hear about, but you never see. And, uh, yeah. and, and that's him just reckons. Yeah, the closest you ever see is him lifting the dude to choke force him. Other than that, like in A New Hope, other than that, you never you never really see like that badass Vader. Um, yeah, you never you the, never see Vader as the machine. Yeah, yeah. Um, but as we come to uh, an end here, uh, I always like to have the final question be uh, a movie recommendation, uh, a movie that you love that you feel has either gone under the radar or people uh, should possibly give a second chance, or, or just a first-time viewing if they've never seen it? Uh, let's see. Uh, okay, so for this question, two movies kind of pop into mind. One is, is uh, I'm sure a lot of people have seen it. Other than Back to the Future, this is like my favorite movie of all time, The Prestige. Um, and I, for me, I, it's it's my favorite because like it's, it's such a uh, good uh, mirror... Uh, narrative of like life as like a professional wrestler and like you know like it, it's so it's so um similar and and the the types of like personal struggles that the two main characters go through in the movie are uh are very similar to to the different types of people the struggles that you see internally with guys in in my line of work and so i've always loved it for that reason um on top of the fact that it's a very interesting arc and twist and everything. If you haven't seen it, you should. Um, and then the other one is one that I think a lot of people haven't seen. It's called Primer. It's a time travel movie. Um, okay. And uh, that that one's, for some people, it might be a chore to get through, but if you're the type of person that want, like likes uh, like pie and like kind of like very like thinking like movies like that, um, very cerebral movies, Primer is a great movie. It's it's basically like a realistic take on time travel. Like if you really had, the, the main characters are literally uh, physics engineers, uh, and so it's it's like if you really had a physics genius and major, like tech, technically try to map out how to do it. They build this box that they discover is capable of time travel, and um, and then yeah, it's the you have you watch it for the rest of it, but <laughs> the choices they make and the way the movie plays out is very, very interesting. Excellent. Well, I've never seen Primer, uh, but I will have to check that out. Uh, but I have seen The Prestige. Uh, I was lucky enough that I was able to catch it when it was in the theaters originally. Uh, I love that film. I love everything about that film. Uh, once again, it, the, the twist is amazing. Uh, the one thing that always stands out for me is it was the second time that that Hugh Jackman visits Tesla that while he's talking, I realized that that was David Bowie. Oh, <laughs> I had, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, the first time, like the first opening scene with Tesla is a really long scene and they have a really extensive conversation. And I looked at him, I was watching it, I was enjoying it, and then I don't know why, but the second time around, like, I looked at him and I was like, wait a minute. And I just saw it and I was like, oh, fuck, it's David Bowie. 
It's amazing. It took, it, I had the same exact thing, but with Gollum. Like, the second time he comes back, I'm like, wait a minute, that's Gollum. <laughs> yeah, that's that, yeah, Andy Serkis. Yeah. When, yeah. Uh, but, oh, I love, I love that movie, and, and it'll, always, it'll always stand out when, when he's reading the diary and transcribing it, and he's literally like, and that's why you're sitting here right now, transcribing my diary, wasting your time. Yeah, it's oh man, and yeah, that's that's uh, what I love about it too is like the the twist and the way the the third act it ramps up oh. so rapidly. Like instead of slowing down like some do when they get to the the turn and the twist, it puts like it it throws a brick on the gas pedal and it's so great. Oh man, oh man, like I love I love the prestige, um, and I I I could talk about that one for a while. But I will uh, I will let you get going uh, with your day. Uh, as we wrap up, uh, where can people find you uh, online? Uh, what uh, do you have coming up wrestling-wise? This will be coming out next week. Uh, well, uh, let's see. You can find me. My socials are all the same. It's uh, at MegaTJP on Twitter and Instagram. Um, that's Mega, like Mega Man. Uh, and uh, if you check detonationkick.com, I have my touring schedule on there. I think I had recently just added, I think, 25 dates to start the year for these first few months, so it's coming pretty quickly. Uh, I just opened up my schedule this year with uh, with uh, so the Impact pay-per-view, and uh, I have uh, a few more uh, Impacts coming up this next week, as well as a New Japan tour that are going through the East Coast. Uh, USA uh, this uh, the end of the month so um, that's what's coming up for me and those are my socials and you know I appreciate everybody uh, listening and following along you know without Excellent. you there's no need so thank you and thank you I know we got some followers on the east coast uh, so if you're on the east coast and you're a fan of wrestling definitely check out uh, the new Japan tour that's coming out uh, and uh, what I like to do is I like to keep uh, Keep a message of positivity. Uh, before the episode, I do a little introduction. I usually talk about keeping a PMA, uh, a positive mental attitude. Uh, I like to end the show uh, with just uh, a message of positivity or, or like a, a personal mantra that you kind of live, uh, live by, just something for advice-wise, just for the fans. Uh, well, uh, something that I've always lived by, and uh, I was actually just reminded of it this week. <clears throat> just uh, by happenstance, but uh, a mantra I've always lived by is uh, an eye for an eye makes the world go blind. And I feel like in this day and age, that's very apt because, you know, with uh, social media and the ability to have an expressed voice as we do, I think that we've kind of generationally hit a point where we use it, we kind of weaponize it. We, we use it to hurt people, even when we think we're doing it in the name of good. So I feel like you know, we can be more compassionate and a little bit more accepting and helping people grow as opposed to, you know, canceling them, as they say. Um, you know, I think the world would be a better place. You know, obviously, you know, we hope for change, and the key word in that is change, not elimination. So, you know, let's keep everybody at the same table, even if their conversation isn't the one we like. Let's see if we can just get them to have the conversation that we like instead of you know, removing them from the table. So, yeah, eye for an eye makes the world go blind. Awesome. TJP, thank you so much for coming on. Ladies and gentlemen, that has been another episode of The Last Podcast You'd Want. And until next week, hit the veal.
try the staff of the event. Ever wonder how your buddy got those exclusive wrestling superstar action figures? Finn Balor or even that Ric Flair autograph 8x10 photo that you can't find in stores? Chances are they came from Pro Wrestling Loot, Professional Wrestling's most unique and fan-friendly monthly subscription box. Pro Wrestling Loot customizes a 5-7 to seven item mystery box for wrestling fans that includes exclusive t-shirts, action figures, collectibles, trading cards, pins, autographs, and more that you can't find anywhere else. Today, for all of our last podcast you'd want listeners, we have a deal for you. Just head over to ProWrestlingLoot.com and enter the promo code LASTPODCAST to check out to save 20% off your first box with Pro Wrestling Loot. With over 20,000 followers online and presence at some of the biggest conventions in the United States, including WrestleCon and StarCast, Pro Wrestling Loot just isn't a business. With ties to indie, mainstream, lucha libre, American, and European pro wrestling, Pro Wrestling Loot is always sending out the most unique items with you in mind over the last five years. Sign up today at ProWrestlingLoot.com for just $24.99 and start receiving your monthly Pro Wrestling Loot box. Plus, for a limited time, enter code LASTPODCAST and receive 20% off your first box. Pro Wrestling Loot. For the fan in all of us. Thanks for coming to see our show. Sad to tell you we got to go. Grab your hat and head for the door. In case you didn't notice Mary anymore. If you like our show, tell everyone but. If you think it's great, keep your big mouth shut.